0: You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I am Carlos Noche and I'm joined by my amazing podcast partner, Lisa Schneer. Say hi, Lisa. Hi, everyone. Today, we're talking about a very hot topic for a lot of companies these days, lead generation. How do you build a successful outbound campaign using LinkedIn?
1: And to help us out with this very timely and important topic today, we have Ryan Caswell, founder of B2Bleads.com and recovering web developer. His company (laughs) is focused on helping B2B professionals generate quality business leads and booked appointments, specifically using LinkedIn. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time today and welcome to the show. No
2: worries. Thanks so much for having me. And I haven't heard that before, but that feels pretty accurate. Yeah. Recovering <laughs> web developer. Yeah.
1: That's uh, my...
2: Yeah, I work with web developers. I'm like, yeah, I don't envy the work you're doing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: we're going to get to know Ryan a little bit better. So I'd like to jump into the our first question today is usually just our audience getting to know you a little bit better. So Ryan, what is something that you're passionate about that those that only know you through work might be surprised to know about
2: you. Yeah, the one thing I guess about me and my past that surprises people the most when I tell them, so my background's in engineering, which is not obviously sales and marketing. And when I tell people my backstory, the one thing that sort of hits people from left field is when my wife and I, we left engineering and we actually moved to Brazil and we set up this farm out in the middle of the mountains in the rainforest. This was my first experience in trying to run my own business. And when I tell people my backstory, that's the one that's sort of, when I tell it to people, they're just like, what? (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I guess my passion for the outdoors and sports and being physically active. But I think that's the thing that when I tell people, they sort of find that the most interesting or just weren't expecting it.
1: So you set up a working firm?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was like a little organic plantation. So we had people come in and help us grow food. And we had a bed and breakfast and we'd give people food from the garden. And there was like monkeys and mountain lions. And yeah, it was crazy. And it was, I mean, it completely sent me broke. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Yeah. But I learned a lot of good lessons along the
0: way. And it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I don't regret it. I love Brazil. So love to know where it was at and have some more fun. We might do that after the show.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No worries. That'd
0: be great to know.
1: Sounds good. Well, that part of your story aside, being the founder of B2Bleads.com, what inspired you to start a lead generation company after working as an engineer? And how did, like, what is the story that getting you to this point in your career?
2: Yeah, yeah. So the reason I got into it is pretty much, it's sort of a long story. But yeah, I left engineering. I, I tried to start my own business in Brazil. That sent me broke, came back to Australia, trying to get into the digital space. Essentially, it was trying to start lots of different businesses that I kept having the same problem over and over and over again, which was how do you reliably and predictably acquire clients? How do you essentially buy your own clients? And being an engineer, I always had, a, I would say, an unhealthy attitude towards marketing and sales. And very much it was unhealthy. Like it, it was stopping me mentally from actually doing my own marketing, my own sales and doing it properly. And so just the fact that I'd started all these businesses and they kept on failing on account of sales and marketing, I decided that this wasn't just a problem I needed to solve for myself. But for someone who doesn't have that marketing acumen, it was something I felt if I did it well, it was something and I built a process around it, I'd be able to help other people as well. And um, being an engineer, I like to focus in and optimize one thing. And I felt, all right, if I can solve this problem, it solves it for myself, I can acquire clients for myself, and then I can use that method to acquire for my clients. It just meant I had to do one thing really well, which is one of the beauties of having marketing is You don't have to be like other businesses. You don't have to be an amazing marketer and amazing at building a product or another service as well. Amazing. It's a
0: great background. So in your background, we talked a lot about being an engineer before. So what are some specific skills or knowledge that you acquired on the engineering side that really helped you in getting started in your own business?
2: Yeah. So I guess my experience in engineering is sort of, first of all, I started as an operator. So if you'd ever seen Zoolander, that scene where he pops out of the coal mine, all covered black head to toe, that's what I was looking like every single day after work. So I was working as an operator, putting in bolts in the roof. And I think it was good to work with people at, on the coal face. I'll say, because it gives you a good idea of the whole spectrum of the operations before moving into more office roles. So I got into business improvement, data analysis, and more engineering-focused roles after that. And I think it's, for me, it's pivotal to what we do at B2B Leads. And it's, our approach is incredibly data-focused. And I think being an engineer, moving into marketing, we bring a very process-driven, data-driven approach something that is also requires quite an emotional response as well which really helps people like a lot of our clients are are quite technical and they really struggle with the marketing so to have a process to elicit that emotional response that you need for marketing like agitate the problem present the solution and using data to back up what you're doing what you're saying has been absolutely critical for what we do because we can all have opinions but in the end the numbers so long as you're looking at them right, don't lie.
1: Very true, it's important to be data-driven now. And so on that note, tell us a little bit about developing and launching B2Bleads.com and how are you set apart from other companies in a similar space?
2: Yeah, yeah, so I think it's important to notice, especially for people who are starting a business, the launching process of B2B leads wasn't like any particular instance in time. And I think this is important for anyone who wants to start a business, to really focus on, I guess, this concept of minimum viable product. So when I first started, I didn't really have a particular offer. I just started going to networking events and I knew I had skills in digital marketing. I just started talking to people and trying to see what people actually wanted. So the business started as RyanCaswell.com because I figured it's a my name will always be RyanCaswell.com and the business and the offer and the service can change. And I was really trying to find what is a problem that people have? What is an offer that when you tell it to people, you can see, and I think this is really important for people who don't have big audiences on LinkedIn or like people who are just starting out. You don't have a big audience and data to get information from. But when you're face-to-face with someone, you can get pretty reasonable data just by looking at the glazed over eyeballs. So when you're talking to someone If you're constantly, you're telling people, you're testing out new offers or telling them what you do, if you're getting the glazed over eyeballs and the vacant look on their face versus the leaning forward, that's a good data point for you if you don't have a big audience. Like, all right, I'm seeing people actually starting to prick up and listen to what I'm saying versus just, you can see it in their eyes. They're just tuning out, waiting for their turn to talk. So yeah, it wasn't really an instance in time. It was just something I constantly iterated and tested and it wasn't until I found that you know, the B2B space consultants really struggled with lead generation. And I found I started getting a lot... Like I was doing a lot of digital marketing, SEO, Facebook, all sorts of stuff. It wasn't until I started having a lot of success with LinkedIn that I said, all right, this is it. This is my sweet spot, B2B leads. This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to being the best at solving this problem. Eventually, I hunted down the domain b2bleads.com and um, spent a good deal of money (laughs) on purchasing that. But yeah, and then it's just constantly... Yeah, so that's essentially been the process. It wasn't an instance in time. It was just an iterative process, constantly testing different offers until I found what suited my skills, what I like doing, and what the market actually wanted. And I think that's really important for anyone who wants to build a business is find where those three points intersect.
0: Excellent. So, all right, let's talk about the topic of the day, which is LinkedIn. And why use that as your medium or tool for outreach?
2: Yeah, so this is a really good question. And I'd say the most powerful thing about LinkedIn is the ability to find and organize your prospects based on their professional attributes. So as a platform, it's not really any different to the others in terms of being able to message people. But in terms of like, so what we do is outbound lead generation, we're reaching out to people, we're starting conversations. And I say there's four key principles for any form of outbound that you really need to have in place. So you need to have people. So you need people on the platform and you need to put a message in front of them. So this is what makes LinkedIn powerful is that you can find people who are more likely to need your service based on professional attributes. And then you can organize them and reach out to them. You need a way to drive buying behavior. You need to say the right things at the right time and you need a process to do it efficiently. So if you have those four things in place, then you'll be able to run outbound successfully. Yeah, I mean, there are, it depends where you are in business, what your audience is, as to whether or not LinkedIn will be the best platform. But basically, it's because it gives you the power to find and organize your target market really efficiently.
0: And when we say LinkedIn, are you really meaning like LinkedIn Navigator? Because that's what kind of allows you to target people and create categories? Or
2: Yeah, if you want to take it seriously, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is where it's at. You can still do a lot with the free search. And I recommend, once again, the minimum viable product, if you're really short on funds, just start using the messaging, work out how powerful it is. You can literally connect and start talking to anyone like the CEO of billion dollar corporations. It's just make sure that what you have is valuable to those people. And we're all people in the end. So if you get the right message in front of the right person, you can start conversations with anyone. So should
0: marketing organizations focus only on LinkedIn as this outbound source, or do you have other sources as well that you recommend?
2: Yeah, so this is a really interesting question. And and I'll say companies should focus on where they're getting the lowest cost per lead and they can continue to crank up the dial. So in an ideal world, we wouldn't do any marketing. We wouldn't do LinkedIn. We wouldn't do basically anything. If we could just crank up referrals and word of mouth leads that came into our business, And not have to do any marketing at all, then that's what we would do. So it just depends on where you're at, what resources you have, and what's generating the best cost per lead. Now, not everyone knows what that is. Most businesses are terrible at measuring this. It just depends on what the data tells you. So LinkedIn is a really, the reason I like LinkedIn is because it is a very quick and low cost platform that you can get a proof of concept on its. whether it works or not, without having to spend like tens of thousands of dollars, getting a pixel to mature and learn and teach the algorithm and all that sort of stuff, you can very quickly reach out to people, put a message in front of them and start to see if it's, it's working. So yeah, so in terms of whether people should or shouldn't, I think if there are better opportunities and you can still dial those up, then focus on those. But you don't necessarily know unless you test it.
1: Right. And would, so then just to clarify, like sort of that whole question, would you recommend that people use a combination like LinkedIn and email and ads and okay, so.
2: Yeah, the omni-channel approach is is powerful because you start to be seen across different platforms. But I think a lot of small businesses who are our target market generally is, can go down a rabbit hole with that because they look at the big companies And they're like, oh, they're on Facebook, they're on LinkedIn, they're doing this. And yeah, it's more powerful. But what happens is it's like trying to go pro in tennis and golf and basketball. What happens is you end up being amateur at everything and you make no money. So for small businesses, it's best to focus on maybe just one or two to begin with until you've got the leverage to bring people on to focus on those platforms experts. So yeah, I hope that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned data there briefly. And so when you think in terms of measuring success on the outbound campaigns through LinkedIn, what metrics do you track?
2: Yeah. So this is really interesting. So if you've got a fairly quick sales cycle and not necessarily like million dollar deals that need to be get over the line, then the data is pretty simple. It's booked calls and closed sales. And you should start to get those relatively quickly. Now, the problem with organizations or like software companies and things mean, consultancies that do $100,000, dollar, million-dollar deals, you don't get that feedback on your campaigns until a very long way down the line. So you need other things to provide feedback on success. So if you think of reaching out to someone on LinkedIn or in any form of outbound as a funnel, then you can break down the steps along the funnel into KPIs. So essentially, when you're reaching out to someone, How many of those people actually connect with you? And once they connected, how many of those actually reply to you? Of those people who reply, how many of those are engaging in like good conversation? And then how many of those are actually progressing through to phone calls to learn more about you? And then how many of those conversations are progressing into your pipeline? So you use a lot of KPIs and figures and statistics along the way to help say, all right, this is on track. We've got interest. We're getting people. We just need to basically keep dialing, keep getting the numbers up to find that person who has the budget for a million dollar, million dollar deal.
1: That makes sense. So do you at b2bleads.com, do you help people understand those metrics or do you have a way to consult and track?
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the, for any business, I think success on any platform is knowing what success looks like and failure looks like. Mm -hmm especially in sales and marketing, because you're dealing with large numbers, large volume. Even when you get do everything right, you get like your conversion rate as high as possible. You still need to talk to a lot of people to find that needle in the haystack. And that's really frustrating for people who don't understand sales and marketing. My favorite thing is when I talk to people and they say, I'd rather talk to less people and have those people interested in what I do. And I look at them and I say, yeah, <laughs> well, of course, that's a no brainer. But the problem is you don't know who's interested until you talk to people. So that's what we, what we do. We have like, we split test a lot of different things, campaign to campaign, just changing variable at a time. It might be testing across different titles within an organization or an industry, testing different industries, different locations, different messages, and seeing, all right, which one does better? What's a good connection rate? Does a connection rate matter if the people who are connecting go straight through to sales? And just having an idea of what good and bad looks like gives you an idea of when you should start changing and tweaking things.
1: Definitely. So would that be one of your biggest pieces of advice for someone considering using LinkedIn for their outbound lead generation?
2: Yeah, I guess my biggest advice for someone who wants to use it for lead generation to begin with, this is probably my advice for most things, is not to get too caught up on trying to perfect it just start as you start and be consistent, improvement will come with consistency and turning up. So if you try to do everything perfect from the beginning, you're just gonna get overwhelmed. But like I said, use the LinkedIn free search, just start having conversations. You'll start to, you might, the first problem that most people run into is process. They realize how time consuming it is to do the whole thing manually and they run into a brick wall there. Or they might find that no one is connecting with them. No one's responding to them. So it might be the messaging. Get started. Find your first bottleneck and then address that and then keep moving and addressing it. But yeah, knowing if you want to dial this up quickly, knowing everything helps. And that's the advantage of hiring an expert or going to our YouTube channel and learning it yourself.
0: Yeah. So Ryan, just doubling down a little bit. So if people are looking to work with you, do you guys provide services around, hey, improving your... Profile, for example, because when people reach back out based on your message and they see your profile, right? how do you make get a better hit with it? Is it also about, when I think about outreach, obviously, we want to get someone to communicate and have a conversation with us. Are you recommending they do posts where they're providing something of value? And then based on that, then they're outreaching the people with their posts to try to see if they're willing to engage and have a conversation. Just love to get... You don't need to give us your whole program in a podcast for free, but... Just to get some insights. What are some of the things you recommended? Where would they use you to get help?
2: Yeah. So posting content, it's not what we do necessarily, but it helps what we do tremendously. So depending on the business. So if I came back to those four pillars and I said, how do we drive buying behavior? So the four ways we can build trust around a market need is by credibility. How long have you been doing it? How many case studies do you have? Niching, you hear a lot of people talking about niching. Having a really strong offer. And the last one is like branding and likability. So, if you're posting content, you're putting video content, people respond to you, they like you, they're engaging with you. You don't even need to be good at what you do to get clients. So, this can really support what we do. But in terms of what we do, yeah, it's all around what do we have? What are our resources? What is the type of business? So, and determining what kind of an approach you would use. So, if we look at those four things I mentioned. What can we leverage? Can we leverage case studies? How do we show people that we can add value versus telling them? How do we show people that are an expert? Maybe we need to niche a little bit. Maybe our campaigns need to be more industry focused versus general. Can we put a strong offer together? So once again, it changes. The approach will change depending on your type of business. Software companies with a very distinct offer, like this is what we do. This is the problem we solve. It doesn't require any cost, you can trial it for a month, that's a really clean offer. It's like, hey, do you want to trial this? It'll solve this problem. It doesn't cost you anything to test it. Yeah, cool. You don't need to do content marketing. You just need to put it in front of people. And so you can pull that away and just focus on that versus, let's say, a consultant in leadership. They need to demonstrate that they're the expert in their space. So the content marketing and the education component becomes more important. So What we do is we look at what we have available and we build a process around, all right, how do we identify the value we can add to people and then build trust around that enough for them to give us five seconds of their attention to read some of our messages and then spark enough interest to want to get on a phone call, essentially.
0: Excellent. So I'm assuming the profile does come into play into how you're presenting yourself online. Do you have any tips on... Or what strategies someone should take to have a really strong profile that's relatable to our buyers?
2: Yeah, so you're 100% right. The profile, I say, does all the heavy lifting. In fact, your messaging on LinkedIn can be next to nothing with the right profile. You can literally reach out and say, hey, check out my profile, be great to connect. You don't even have to say check out my profile. People will inherently look at your profile. So how do you have a strong profile? Well, posting content definitely does help because it shows engagement. They see you're active on the platform. The three key things I would say to focus on, because there's a thousand and one things you can do. The three key things, we look at the 80-20 principle. Once again, if you treat it like a funnel, think of your headline as like a headline to a news article. It follows you around on LinkedIn. When you comment, people will see it. So have something catchy that calls out your target market, demonstrates the value that you add to that target market, Maybe something quirky and catchy and gets them wanting to click on it to learn more. The first thing people see when they land on your page is your profile picture and the background image. And now in Outbound, we're dealing with people's subconscious biases. If people don't like the look of your profile photo, if they don't like what they see, like the second they land on the page, they might not even land on the page. They literally might make an assessment based on your profile picture.
0: Like the ones where they have like uh, someone's arm over the top of them. You can tell they just cropped it. Yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is that? (laughs) Make an effort. Yeah. But it's surprisingly, like I've run campaigns, two different people, almost the same business. And it's just a different face, creates different results. So understand you are dealing with subconscious biases. And it's up to you to do everything you can to address those essentially. So... A good professional profile picture, professional in the sense that it's good lighting, good photo. You don't have to have, you know, you don't have to be wearing a goofy red tie and a a white shirt. You just need the photo to look sharp, good lighting, and friendly and engaging. So, once again, if you have a big scally face, very serious, when you reach out to people, they will probably think you are not a nice person. That's just one second assumption they'll make about you, and they may not connect with you based on that. So, profile picture, very important background image, once again, depends what you have. If you have a picture of you talking to a podium, on a podium, talking to like a thousand people, that's a great credibility builder. It doesn't even matter if it's not aligned with what you do. It's just a great credibility builder. Like, okay, people listen to this person. Maybe I should listen to him too. So whatever you can to draw attention and credibility to what you do in that background image is fantastic. Sometimes even leveraging brands, big brands that you've worked with is a great way to leverage other cred- people's brand's credibility. And then head down to the About section, assuming that you've got enough of their interest to read that, then it's almost like a little micro elevator pitch. So use headlines to break it down so people can find the information they want fast and finish with the call to action, a way to get in touch with you. On the YouTube channel, we've got tons of videos on the exact headlines and stuff like that, what to use. But the biggest thing is first impressions matter.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So we talked about this just briefly, but when it comes to working with clients on the actual messaging, that's most effective. So when you think about LinkedIn, of course, you've got the connect message, right? So like, can we connect for whatever reason? Then once you're connected, I think one of the biggest mistakes we see over and over again is the pitch slap right? Yeah. <laughs> it is immediately as soon as they're connected, you get some generic email or whatever. So what are some best practices you have? And I realize this will probably change, like you said, company to company as far as crafting that connect message. And then of course, what do you do after that? How do you turn that into a conversation?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely seen that all the time where people will connect with you and then slap you with a three-page sales essay. The thing is, and what's beautiful about LinkedIn is it is a place for business. So people do somewhat expect business to be conducted on there. What it all comes down to is how do you set up the conversation? So you can pitch to people so long as you've set people up to expect that to happen. That's not saying you should pitch everyone up front. Like I said, if you have a really strong defined offer and it's very obvious and you say this is the offer, this is what we do, is it of interest? And then they connect. You can almost just go straight to it. You don't have to mess around. We're trying to get from point A, which is someone doesn't know you, to point B, they're interested and want to get on a call as fast as possible. So if you can pitch them straight away and it makes sense to do so, then do it. But most times it doesn't. (laughs) So (laughs) my advice really, a lot of it lives in the connection message because the connection message will set you up for success. Most people can get connections on LinkedIn, but most people can't get people to connect based on the value that they provide. So I actually just released a video last week on how to write the perfect connection message. And we've all seen it like, hey, I checked out your profile and I love what you're doing at your company. Let's connect. So that does nothing. People will probably still connect with that, but it does a few things. First of all, it treats your audience like they're stupid because they know it's an automated message. That's not to say you can't use automation, but don't pretend like it's not. I say people don't care how they receive the mail so long as what's inside is valuable. So what you need to do is understand the value you provide and get people to trust that you can deliver on that value as quickly as possible. So you only have 300 characters like, hey, this is what we do. We've worked with companies like ABC. We've got some great case studies. If it's of interest, let's connect. Now. What you've done is you've set the conversation up to progress it down that line of thinking is like the value that you provide and having that conversation versus, hey, let's connect. LinkedIn says you we should be friends and then slapping them with a the sales pitch. You don't treat your audience like they're idiots. They're much more open because you've set the tone of the conversation from the beginning and um, things just progress a lot better. Even if you sacrifice connection rate, you're going to get the right people connecting with you because you've got your value proposition out early. And if you can't get people to connect and engage, you've addressed your bottleneck early rather than kicking it down the road to, oh, we've sent them the pitch now and they're not interested. So yeah, get that connection message right. And then it's easier to progress the conversation along where you want to go. Relationship building on LinkedIn, I think is even harder. I think focus on value first because people in business want to deal with people they like and they want to build relationships. But it's value first, especially in the digital space. What value can provide me that will determine whether I want to engage and network and be friends with you?
1: That makes a lot of sense. And I'm curious though, like because you touched on it a little bit, you touched on both sides of this. How much does personalization come into play when we're talking about this? Because of course, that's always the big question is how do I personalize at scale?
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is an awesome question. We've done lots of testing on this. So basically what happens is you've got Somewhere between sending a bulk message to absolutely everyone and anyone and completely automated, no thinking, no customization whatsoever, all the way through to door knocking, researching every single person you talk to and having conversations with those. So one is going to cost you a lot and one's not going to cost you very much at all. And it's really about finding that balance somewhere along that spectrum that provides the best ROI system. So what's the minimum input for the maximum output? Eventually, so if you live too far on one side, what happens is you're not going to get any conversions. You're going to reach out to lots of people. The conversion rate is going to be so low. On the other end of the spectrum, you're going to have a much higher conversion rate, but your scalability sucks. And so it's just about testing and trying to find what along here works really well. So once again, if you have a million dollar deal, maybe the door knocking makes sense. Maybe you need to spend more. To find that ideal client to make sure that you maximize each one versus a $30 software, you just need to get that offer out in front of people. I think the happy medium on LinkedIn is you want the ability to scale and systemize and automate, but you also want to personalize as well. So, what you do is try and organize your audience into subcategories upper management, HR, HSE, or by industry. Industry is a really good one, especially for people who work across multiple industries, how about rather than messaging everyone who could be our ideal client, how about we break them up into industries? And then that way, when we reach out to everyone from this industry, we can speak to problems specific to that industry. And that's what will actually make us stand out. So one of the most successful campaigns we've run recently was Very, very much tailored to a very specific industry, which we had very specific knowledge on. We knew about a problem that was legislatively driven, that they had a timeline it needed to be addressed by. And we knew there was a big pain in that market. So the messaging, whilst we could scale it up because there were thousands of people in that market, was very tailored to that specific market. And yeah, it was crazy. We got like over a million dollars in the pipeline in a few months. So yeah, it's about finding commonalities within a group and trying to scale that messaging up versus trying to personalize for every single person. Though AI might be able to address that personalization for each person aspect. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Early days yet. (laughs) We'll see. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We can agree with you more on that value first kind of perspective too, right? Because it's if you think about communication, people want to know, well, why should I even read your stuff? Why should I even engage to start with? The whole kind of what's in it for me. A lot of times we all learn from our mistakes. So here's my kind of final question for you. What are some of the common mistakes or pitfalls that you see out there that we should avoid in using LinkedIn?
2: Yeah, I think the three common mistakes I often talk about is what I like to call billboards in the desert. So (laughs) a lot of people go with content first approach before they have a network to serve it to. So we look at a big company and they're like, oh, look, they're posting content. That's obviously good. Yeah, but they have the leverage to post content. So it makes sense to, they have a big audience. So if they post a piece of content, it's seen by a million people and even 0.1% show interest they've made profit because that pays 10 people's wages. You have an audience of 10 and you post a piece of content that you've spent hours on, you've lost money. So Mm -hmm. the first one is focus on growing your network and building your audience and having genuine interactions with them first. Because if you have genuine interactions, you start conversations with people. What happens is, I don't have a good name for this, I call it the blue car effect. So when I was a kid, I didn't really pay much attention to cars. And then all of a sudden, we bought this blue Mazda 3. It's, it's nothing special, but all of a sudden, I started seeing them everywhere because I had this interaction with it and I started noticing it.
1: Fantastic. So let's change direction a little bit here. We ask all of our guests towards the end of every show a couple of questions. And one of them is that as a revenue executive and founder yourself, you have been prospected to yourself and uh, likely a lot over LinkedIn. So help our audience understand what could potentially earn your attention from a cold reach out, someone who has no introduction to you, no relationship to you, and you get that connection request. What does it need to contain to really get your attention and potentially even get a response?
2: Yeah, 100%. So pretty much everything that we've talked about today, really think about the value that you can provide specifically rather than focusing on, I don't know, just general messages that would apply to everyone. Say, hey, I'm looking at B2B, I'm going after B2B agencies. Don't say I'm going after I'm, I'm looking to connect with B2B agencies that do this because I have this special tool that can help address these specific issues that you might be facing. So understanding me specifically or my problems, and this applies for anyone, is going to help to address the problem. And the thing is, I might not have that problem, even though it's likely that I am. I might not have that problem and it might not interest me at this time. So you've got to get the volume up as well. You've got to talk to lots of people because Not everyone has the pain and is interested or it's the focus at that point in time. But value first. Define what value you can bring. Be as specific as possible to me. Yeah, I'd love to talk. So reach out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Create insights. And you're so true. I mean, sometimes we have the perfect message, but it's just not the right time for the people we're dealing with. And in prospecting, you know, everyone's just got to get used to... I mean, we call it rejection. But the reality is, hey, sometimes you're talking to someone and they're going through a tough time. It's not the right time for them to talk or engage. That's why we reach out to so many people and we reach out multiple times.
2: I was just going to say one final thing on that, the not the right time. But one really valuable thing you can do is get what I call permission for future touch points. So content marketing is obviously great. But if it's not the right time, say, Okay, great. Completely understand. Are you happy for me to reach out again in three months? So getting verbal confirmation or confirmation on future touch points is really helpful because as we all know, touch points add up over time.
0: Excellent. I agree. Acceleration insight time. So what might be that one piece of advice, whether it's business or personal, that you would love to share with our audience that might help them in achieving some of their own goals?
2: Probably what I was talking about earlier on the call, which is just get started, get that minimum viable product out there, get a proof of concept, Don't try to solve all the problems before you get started. The market feedback is critical to helping you develop your business and everything you do. I mean, I enjoy rock climbing and jujitsu and things outside of business. And the principle is very much the same. Keep turning up, keep trying. And by nature, by turning up and being consistent, you will improve. Don't try to perfect everything first before you get started. Just get started, get that feedback and iterate.
1: Hmm. Yeah, don't let progress or don't let perfection stand in the way of progress. Isn't that the saying? Yes, no, really good advice, particularly in
2: yeah, hundred percent
1: in prospecting. You just at some point you can't overthink it. You just have to execute. And like you say, and we talked about, be data driven. Let the data tell you what to do next and what works and what doesn't. So great, Ryan. Thank you so much. If one of our listeners was interested in learning more about today's topics, you mentioned YouTube a couple of times, but where should they go and how should they contact you?
2: Yeah, well, LinkedIn's a great one. So I'm always open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Or well, I mean, if you just say, hey, I heard about you on the B2B podcast. I mean, that's a great in there. So LinkedIn, we have a YouTube channel, but b2bleads.com, that should be easy to remember. You can get in contact via the website or check me out on YouTube. We have all the training material, everything for free on there.
1: That's amazing. Ryan, can't thank you enough for your time today and getting up at four o'clock in the morning to talk to us. No worries. It's been great having you on the show. <laughs>
2: Awesome. (laughs) Funnily enough, I'm up at 4 a.m. every day, so it's all good.
1: (laughs) Oh, well then, it wasn't even special.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, that seems pretty well. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Well, glad to hear it. All right, everyone, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at www.b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your kids. Get them off screens for a little while. You can subscribe through YouTube, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you like what you hear, do us a favor and subscribe and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Lisa Schneer, along with my podcast partner in crime, Carlos Noche. And until next time, we wish you nothing but the